When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Feel comfortable in our in our good old reliable Wednesday night time slot. We, we appreciate everybody joining us in the dog days of summer here as we ramp up toward uh, training camp, which Ryan Talbot, it, training camp is right around the corner. Like usually at about this time, we'll be about a month away, but really like three weeks away. I mean, it's going to creep up on here us really quick here. Yeah, with the Bills being in that kickoff game, uh, obviously things get moved up a little bit. So you're right. It's going to sneak up on everyone, uh, maybe except for those fans in Rochester who I think have been chomping at the bit to have the Bills back in, in their territory at St. John Fisher College. You know, speaking of chomping at the bit, you all should be chomping at the bit right now for this contest that uh, Value Home Centers uh, has running. Uh, they're celebrating their grand opening, Bath, New York. And in the celebration, they, they started a contest. You can enter to win one of 36 $250 value gift cards. All you have to do is go to valuehomecenters.com. It's flashing, big billboard style on the front of their website. Hit enter to win. Any time of year, Ryan Talbot, you had $250 to the tool belt, if you will. It's a pretty good day. We were thinking through some some fun ideas for this show tonight. We're, we're always kind of throw, bouncing stuff off of each other, bouncing stuff off the wall. We promised some guests they're coming. We're working on a few of them. I can tell you off the top, we're going to have uh, John Crick back on the show, uh, back by popular demand. Actually, somebody reached out and asked for him. I, I talked to him yesterday uh, and he is booked for, I believe, July 13th. Uh, so we'll get the NFL view. He's obviously very familiar with the Bills, uh, covering them for years uh, out of Toronto. Then we have a really fun show, Ryan. I'm really looking forward to it on July 20th, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on the date. We're going to bring on Andrew Galarno from the Buffalo News. He's their food editor. And we're going to do a show that kind of just organically came to me. Like people all the time, like when they're coming into town, either as opposing teams, fans or Bills fans that are attending their first Bills game, I get a lot of DMs about where do I go and eat? So that's what we're going to spend a whole show on. Like if you're coming to town for a game, what are the you know power rankings, if you will, of spots that you have to eat? We'll talk. We'll touch on a d- bunch of different genres. Andrew is great uh, with that. And then a really popular one that we did a couple of years ago. We're trying to run that back. Uh, we're looking at some schedules, so I'm, I'm excited about a couple of things that we have lined up for the next month, Ryan. But why don't you start us off here with our exercise here? You know, obviously, if the Bills lose Josh Allen, that is going to be bad news bears, mm. right? That is going to be a bad situation going into a Super Bowl. They went out and they traded for uh, Case Keenum. Uh, it's a really good backup quarterback situation. They have Matt Barkley on the roster as well, but nobody's going to replicate what Josh Allen gives you. So, you know, we kind of take him out of there completely, right? And we open it up to the rest of the roster. And it's like, okay, offense, defense, 
what player would affect the Bills the most if he was lost for a, a great amount of time? And I actually, you know, started off my our story on this for the site that's going to run a little bit later tonight, talking about what Tredavious White's absence last year meant for the Bills' playoff run. I mean, you go back to that Kansas City game; they gave up 400 yards almost of uh, passing offense, 42 points. Having your All-Pro cornerback would probably have helped in that scenario. So we kind of split things up here. Why don't you start us off? First, why don't you go on the offensive side of the ball, Ryan, and and who do you think the Bills would miss the most? Yeah, and listen, there are some great candidates for the offensive side of the ball. If player X, Y, or Z is gone besides Josh Allen, the, the Bills face an uphill climb. Uh, I, I went with Deion Dawkins, obviously the left tackle, the uh, the pro bowler from one season ago. Uh, I think it comes down to two things. One, Deion Dawkins has gotten better just about every season here in Buffalo. Uh, Your left tackle is so valuable in today's NFL to protecting your quarterback, to blocking uh, from run blocking, pass protection. And and then I also, Matt, looked at it from a depth perspective. And listen, they signed David Questenberry uh, this offseason to kind of maybe compete uh, for that swing tackle job. And, and if you lose Dawkins, he's probably inserted into the starting lineup. And if it's not him, you know, who are your other options? Is it Tommy Doyle? Is it, you know, Bobby Hart, who fans would not be thrilled if he was in the, in the starting lineup whatsoever? And then you have a lot of young, undrafted players, first year, second year guys that are kind of probably more practice squad uh, eligible than anything else, not guys you're going to see on this roster. So uh, I think that the offense takes a significant hit if you lose Deion Dawkins. Check out these numbers from Pro Football Focus on Dawkins uh, that I think just completely back up your point. Obviously, Deion was dealing with COVID last year, had a tough stretch to start the season, had a couple of performances that he was open and honest about. He wanted back. I mean, five pressures allowed in a game for Deion Dawkins, all pro or uh, Pro Bowl left tackle. You know, it doesn't happen very often. It happened for him in the first uh, three times in the first uh, 11 games last season. But check this out down the stretch. He didn't allow a sack. Uh, if you go back to the New England game, the one where, uh, let me see here, week 13, he didn't allow a sack for the rest of the season, Ryan Talbot. And that goes through the regular season into the playoffs. A total of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games he gave up, he allowed, I should say, in seven games, he allowed seven pressures of Josh Allen. So I think you can make in the, the argument that Deion Dawkins was as important to the way the Bills turn their season around offensively, go back to that halftime against Tampa Bay and look at the numbers from there on out. And he was as irreplaceable as anybody on that offensive unit. He was playing at such a high level that it allowed Josh Allen to kind of catch his breath a little bit. It was so like touch and go there for a while. Remember win, loss, win, loss, the offensive performances. It's almost like they couldn't really put any consistency together. Deion Dawkins writes the ship on the left side. Obviously, that kind of you know spread to the rest of the offensive line. I think in a lot of ways because they look to Dawkins. You know, not only do they pay him all that money, but he's a when he's engaged, when he is uh, healthy, when he is at his hundred percent. There are not too many left tackles in this league that are better. And I think he proved it last year. And I think he's going in to this year if you if he can build on that. You're talking about a really potentially special year for him and this offensive line that has made some interesting um, additions that we'll talk about as we go through the show. I love Deion Dawkins as a pick here. I I was kind of mad that you stole him from me. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you mentioned him possibly getting better. I think that's honestly, it's on the table with Aaron Cromer uh, in the fold. He has a, a pretty good resume of helping players get better, make little steps. And while Dawkins was a pro bowler one year ago, I still think there's room for him to improve. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did this year. Who did you have, Matt? Uh- yeah, so uh, with Deion Dawkins off the board, uh, and, I, and I think I actually, I don't know if you stole him from me. I, I think we were going through a couple different options. If you look at like the star power on this roster, right? I mean, at this point, it's it's Josh Allen, it's Stephon Diggs, it's Von Miller, and probably, you know, Tredavious White gets thrown into that that pocket a little bit, right? Like he's one of the, the top cornerbacks when healthy in the league. I think that's your, your superstar group that no matter what, everybody knows who those guys are. And so offensively, I start to think what losing Stefan Diggs would mean for this offense. And, and the more I kind of spent time thinking about that, the quicker I was willing to just stamp that. Like Stefan Diggs, if the Bills lose him for any amount of time, it's going to really hurt in so many ways because he shoulders such a large part of the offense, right? Targets are one thing. Going up against the opposing team's number one cornerback week in and week out, that's another thing. But also what he's meant to Josh Allen. Like, you really can't overstate the value of of that part of what he brings, the leadership, the fact that he was a captain in year two and he kind of ascended into that leadership role. We talked about it on a recent show, Ryan. There are no more super veterans on this team, right? The Cole Beasley's of the world, the Emmanuel Sanders. It is now Stephon Diggs who has to kind of be that all everything, all worldwide receiver, but also that guy that's been in the league that's seen kind of everything in this league and now share that and impart that wisdom on everybody else in the in the wide receiving room. And I know Josh Allen is coming off some of the best football that any quarterback's ever played in the playoffs in his last eight quarters. But having that that veteran presence, that guy that calms you down, that you you know no matter what happens in a game, I can go to Stefan Diggs and I feel comfortable with it. You can't really replace that. And I'm not sitting here saying that Gabriel Davis can't ascend into, you know, if Stefan Diggs is out for a, a long period of time, he can't be that wide receiver one. I actually think that you can make an argument that he can be that from a statistical perspective, from a target share perspective. But I think what you lose, lose in Stefan Diggs, it goes a little bit deeper. And I think that without him for a long period of time, who are you looking at on this offense? Not counting Josh Allen to kind of pick up the baton and be that emotional leader, that uh, that guy that you know really just brings everybody else along. I'm, there's probably a couple of candidates that we could talk to. I think Deion Dawkins is probably one of them. But again, I, I think that what Stephon Diggs does for this offense, you can't really talk about it enough. enough. No, you, you can't replicate what he brings to this team from obviously a play perspective, but you mentioned it too. If Allen gets off to an erratic start or uh, his nerves are a little bit up there, Diggs has already shown in the past that he'll go to him, he'll calm him down, he'll get him on, on the right page. That's huge uh, when you have a franchise quarterback that maybe doesn't hit the ground running like you want or, or uh, like you hope. And, and then, you know, you mentioned Gabriel Davis could maybe step into that role. I don't necessarily, and I agree, you were talking about from a target perspective, things like that, but it becomes so much easier, Matt, for opposing defenses to match up with the Bills uh, if something were to happen to Stefan Diggs where he missed some time. Because now, you know, you're going to double Knox. You might double Gabriel Davis. We've already talked about how they have a lot of guys that are m- meant more so as slot receivers 
what can they do on the outside if something were to happen or if their number was called to play out there? Can Isaiah McKenzie do that? Crowder's been someone on the middle or in the middle of his entire career. Uh, Khalil Shakir was drafted as, as ideally a slot receiver. So who would step up in that scenario on the outside opposite Gabriel Davis there? It just becomes so much easier for opposing defenses, I would say, to, to shut down the Bills offense from the passing perspective, where you would need some two, three players to really step up to provide everything that Stefan Diggs does. Even when Diggs has a bad game or a game where maybe he doesn't finish with a stat line that you're you're expecting, look at that Chiefs game. Um, in the playoffs, they were so focused on digs that look at how Gabriel Davis performed opposite of him. If he's not there, Gabriel Davis probably doesn't have that type of performance because they're covering him differently. They're playing him differently. So from a play perspective, he's so important uh, from a perspective of that relationship he has with Josh Allen. It, it's huge. And he's really just like Deion Dawkins. He's become a locker room leader for this team. And, and you can't uh, stress enough the importance of that. You know, a lot's been made about the age of football that we're in with some of the retirements, right? I mean, mostly it's happened in Tampa Bay, like uh, in New England with Tom Brady retiring, then unretiring. You had Gronk come out of retirement to go to Tampa Bay. Now he's retiring again, and people are kind of predicting that it won't be for very long. And he'll find, uh, you know, a reason to kind of come back out of retirement if, you know, maybe just you know missing out on training camp. Some of the things that veteran guys just don't want to do. In a scenario where the Bills did lose Stephon Diggs, though, like you start to start thinking about what are the options for the Bills in that you know situation. First and first of all, a veteran like Tavon Austin, I think I think definitely is that's probably one of the reasons you valued him so much. If you're Brandon Bean, bringing him into the room at this point, because if you do stick a guy like that on the on the uh, roster or even on the practice squad, that gives you a guy that is that is has at least played important snaps in this league has ha- has been a part of you know some pretty good offenses. I know he doesn't necessarily do what Stephon Diggs does, but it's an option, right? And you got to start throwing options uh, out there and, and giving Ken Dorsey as many as possible. Another, but I mentioned the retirement thing because. Right now, we don't really have a official stance from Emmanuel Sanders, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's he going to do? Maybe he's just kind of sitting out like, all right, I'm going to hang until, like, I'm not closing the door on it. Maybe I will, like, some point, you know, in training camp or preseason or early in the season if nothing comes about. But if something comes up and Stefan Diggs is going to be out for an extended period of time, I mean, you can just kind of really slot Emmanuel Sanders right back in here. And, and maybe that could be a, an interesting situation where you let Sanders be what you signed him to be last year. And then you let Gabriel Davis take that, that number one wide receiver role and just kind of see what the kid does with it. Yeah. And listen, Sanders in that uh, regard would not be a bad signing. He knows the system. I know a different offensive coordinator, but still a lot of it's going to be very similar. Uh, you're getting someone that would be fresh. There's no doubt in my mind that Sanders is still putting in the work. Uh, that he would do in a normal off season. I know he's doing a lot of media or he had been doing a lot of media, but I'm sure that he will be ready if his number gets called, whether it's by the bills or another contending team at some point this season. So that would make sense. And if the bills really are all in on this season and something were to happen in this scenario, you could even go to the trademark and say, okay, uh, trade deadline, who's someone that we could come that we could sign, have them come in, Obviously, no, there's going to be a learning curve of a few weeks where they might not uh, be able to contribute significantly, but down the stretch and in the playoffs, who could we count on that uh, maybe another team's looking to part ways with? That would have to come down to, again, who's available, is the price right, and do the Bills really feel like, hey, if we bring this player in, we're not losing 
a significant, it's not a significant drop off from Diggs. So that's an, obviously another scenario. But yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is a name to kind of keep in mind if there is an injury to any of those wide receivers this year. All right, we're, we're, we're kind of making our way through uh, some of the most important players to the Bills uh, in terms of you know, guys that they just can't lose, not named Josh Allen. Uh, we're also going to spend a little portion of the show tonight talking about pro football focus came out with uh, their, the, the NFL's best rosters. Where did the bills rank? We're going to talk a little bit about that. Ryan put up a post on the website. You can go check it out at Syracuse.com right now. And then we're going to close out the show with a fun little segment. Um, I just started thinking about it maybe an hour before we started. And I text Ryan to see if you want to do it. We are going to power rank the top five Buffalo bills in terms of, their social media game. So I think that might be a little bit fun. We, we'll have some hot takes in the comments section, I'm sure. All right, before we get to the defensive side of the ball, Ryan, I'm going to close things off here with Mitch Morse, who I thought, all right, Diggs is gone. Dawkins is gone. Who's like the next most important piece on offense? And you can maybe make an argument for Dawson Knox. I definitely think you can make an argument for Gabriel Davis because of the question marks you mentioned. What is the depth on the outside after Diggs and, and Davis? It's it shrinks a little bit, or at least there's a little bit of an unknown. We'll see. This is a very talented wide receiver group, as you know, people in the comments have been, have been mentioning. So I'm sure they'd be able to figure something out. You know, Mitch Morris, the continuity with him on the line last year, playing in every game, it was. I don't think you could really talk about that enough in terms of what it meant. I mean, he was as good as he as he's been in a Bills uniform last season. He played in all 17 games, the two playoff games. He was consistent. And I thought that what they were able to kind of land upon later in the season and, you know, they started getting, you know, learning that, listen, we got to emphasize the strengths of our players. And, and part of that with Mitch Morse is getting him out in space, running some of those pin and pull plays where he's able to get out, you know, showcase that speed, that downhill speed, that downhill blocking. And he played really well last year. And I just think... He's a year further in this offense. He's 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 that connecting piece for a guy like Roger Saffold. And Dawkins could be that piece as well, but there's so much that goes into it from a center perspective, the continuity with the quarterback, that I just think Mitch Morris, for me, is a guy that if you lose him for any amount of time, it could be trouble. And here's something else I wanted to throw out for you. So Greg Mance, the Bills signed him as kind of like – this year's version of Ryan Bates in a way, right? Like, or maybe John Feliciano. If you go check out his uh, pass blocking numbers on pro football focus, you, you know who they're comparable to over the course of his career? Who's that? Russell Bodine. Almost identical. It's kind of scary. And I don't want to like crap on Greg Mance here. He, he could be one of the the next iterations of those, you know, uh, under the radar signings that Brandon Bean brings in and, and he turns into like a really important role. We've seen it happen with Feliciano. We've seen it happen with Daryl Williams, right? By the way, Daryl Williams gave up a, a team high uh, sacks and pressures last year that I didn't even really notice, but he played so well. Big reason for that is because he played more snaps than any offensive lineman. He's still unsigned, by the way. Uh, just a little note. But, you know, there's there's guys out there. There's Greg Mance. Uh, the Bills went out and signed Greg Van Roten. I think his numbers are even a little bit more troublesome if you go off the Jets the last couple of years. He's more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, but I don't think he's going to be an option if Mitch Morris goes out. He plays primarily guard. And then, obviously, interior-wise, you still have Ryan Bates that you can play around with and Cody Ford. Uh, you could kind of mix and match and figure it out. But I just think... For all the reasons that I stated, I just think Mitch Morse is really important to what they do, not only for the line, but for Josh Allen, too. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, play, communication. Uh, he's been in this system as, as long as anyone on this offense. You know, he was a, a big signing for Josh Allen specifically. And when he's been on the field, he's just been he's delivered. You know, he's not someone that you, you see and, and he's making these bulldozing blocks. It's not his game, but he, he understands his assignments. He's always there to make the right play. He's blocking downfield when, when the opportunities arise, and, and he has been worth every penny for the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen for what they envisioned when they signed him years ago. Defensive side of the ball. I'm going to let you kick it off here, Ryan Talbot. Hit me with it. Who do you got? Yeah, I, I went Von Miller. Listen, he is supposed to be the missing piece to the Super Bowl puzzle, so to speak. Uh, the Bills let go of some veterans this offseason. They let Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison both sign uh, elsewhere this offseason. So uh, Von Miller was kind of brought in to be that veteran, but also to be that difference maker. When mm-hmm. you're in crunch time, you're in a close game, he's going to be that guy that you can call upon to get after the quarterback, get the sack, break, you know, get a pass breakup, force a fumble, whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of pressure on him to, to deliver in that regard. There's uh, he was also brought in, I, I feel like, Matt, to help develop some of these young players, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa. So if he is missing time due to injury or, or some other reason, that does not necessarily help those young players because I think that they can learn a lot from him, not just in the locker room, not just at practice, uh, but also seeing what he does on the field, seeing the attention that he gets still at this point in his career. That's going to make life easier for you on the opposite side when you're on the field opposite Von Miller. And really, the only other veteran that they really kind of brought in and re-signed is Shaq Lawson. And listen, Shaq's last season in Buffalo was his best year as a pass rusher. But his bread and butter since year one, since being a rookie, has been as a run stopper. So mm-hmm. I can't emphasize enough how much this defense, the the depth, the ability to get after the quarterback, it would take a big, significant hit if Von Miller were to miss any time, Matt. If you go back to like Von Miller's playoff run last year, like we've talked about it, right? Like the way he showed up in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, you could have, you know, he was in the conversation for MVP. Uh, he played that well, right? How important was this guy to the playoff run mm. for the Rams? I mean, you can't understate it. Like go back. They played Tampa Bay, then San Francisco, then Cincinnati. In the Tampa Bay game, he was even more electric more unstoppable and dominant than he was even in the Super Bowl. He had 10 pressures in that game against Tampa Bay. They obviously had some offensive line woes. If I remember correctly, Tristan Wirfs was kind of like hobbled a little bit in that game. And maybe that kind of was a component of it. Nine quarterback hurries, but one sack. Big players, to your point, though, play big in big games. And if you lose him for any stretch of big games, like that's what you paid all that money for. So honestly, like if, if we're, if all things being equal, I think both of us would agree that on the defensive side of the ball, there isn't a player the bills can't afford to lose this season for any amount of time more than Von Miller. He's, he's that important to what I think they want to do at the defensive line, what, it, what it's going to potentially do for that back four, back five, if you want to count Taron uh, Johnson in there as well. But yeah, I love the Von Miller selection there. And I just think for anybody questioning if the Bills overpaid, I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, going back and really thinking about how he played down the stretch. He's still playing at e- any elite level. I, I, I can't tell you if there's five pass rushers in the league I'd rather have on a team if I was starting it today than Von Miller, even at his age now. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a fair argument. And listen, if he brings one Super Bowl championship to Buffalo, that conversation will never be had again because this fan base has been waiting so long. And, and as I originally said, he's supposed to be this missing piece. As you mentioned, playoff run. All of a sudden, the Buccaneers get back into that playoff game against the Rams. He comes up with those big plays down the stretch to help them defeat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, uh, you said it. He was in the running for MVP. He just had such a big game. The Bills are going to need this guy down the stretch. They're going to need him in season two, obviously. But he was signed to really make those big plays in the big moments in games like that divisional round last year against the Chiefs where the Bills weren't having a ton of success getting after Patrick Mahomes, that's where Von Miller comes in. And if he can deliver in those areas, it doesn't have to be a 15-sack season, Matt. If he is making big-time plays when he is recording those sacks, that's going to be more than enough for this team. Who did you have on the defense side of the ball? All right, we're going to get to that here in a second, and I think this is probably going to be the most controversial one, uh, judging by the early uh, comments. but. I'm going with Jordan Poyer and I'm going with it for a a few reasons why I think he is a guy that the Bills just can't afford to lose on defense. And it's interesting because there's still the the unsettled nature of his situation in general. You know, he showed up for for minicamp, but if there's still not a deal once they get to training camp, what's that going to be like? Is that something that is going to happen right before camp? Is it going to be something that happens in the early days? Is it going to, is he going to show up and not practice? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a ton of different ways that that could kind of all play out. I just, we got a chance to talk to Micah Hyde two weeks ago um, during, during minicamp. And he was talking a little bit about just what Jordan Poyer brings to the defense. And I want to read you guys some of this stuff. Hyde said, I don't think I would be the player I am today without him. Every single day we push each other. The night before a big practice, we're texting each other, giving each other energy. We're waking up early. We're lifting together, just setting the tone for the day. I think that just, you know, we just push each other. He's just an all around player. If you think about a safety, you think about a box safety, you think about a free safety, but he can do it all. He's maybe 195 pounds on game day. And he's just in a box in the box, just fighting people. It is a dogfight in there. You got it. You got tight ends. Uh, you know, freaks in this league, 6'4, 6'5, 250, 260 pounds. They can run fast. So when he's in the box, he can cover, run defense, run stopping. He can just do it all. And on top of that, he's going to communicate. He's going to com- communicate his ass off and he's going to get guys lined up. Yeah, anything and everything you could uh, want in a safety and in a player basically says that's Jordan Poyer. Taking that to another level here, Ryan Talbot. I think Jordan Poyer is going to be critical. I think Hyde's going to be important. Tredavis White has already been very, very valuable. But Kyir Elam is going to need that back level of security as a rookie cornerback in this league. I know he's a first-round draft pick. I know that there's a lot uh, of expectations on him. Things are going to be coming at him fast. And he seems to be a quick study, a quick learner. But having a guy like Poyer who's seen everything in this league, who – I'll be honest with you. I think a big part of Levi Wallace's success over the last couple of years is playing in a defensive backfield with Poyer, with Hyde, with White. And I think Poyer is pound for pound as important to that equation as anybody else back there. I just think all the things that Micah Hyde said, what he brings you from a versatility perspective, he'll get in the box, he'll tackle, he'll play, he'll, he'll play deep, he'll cover. I, I just think that those are things that you can't just go to – Jaquan Johnson or Jamar Hamlin and say, all right, pick up day one, do everything that Jordan Poyer did. It's just, it's not going to happen like that. He was a first team all pro last year for a reason. 
Right. And listen, maybe one of those two young players will eventually get their chance to shine. And over time with experience, uh, maybe they'll play at a similar level. But you, you nailed it. Jordan Poyer is very important to this team, to the secondary. He helps the cornerbacks, making sure they're in the right position, making sure that uh, they understand their assignments and where they're supposed to be. He's calling things out, what he sees pre-snap. He's making sure that, like I said, guys are lined up and it's interesting you mentioned Hyde and Poyer pushing each other. I, I just recently recently watched Poyer on the In the Garage podcast. It was with Kyle Hamilton and other former Notre Dame football players, and he kind of said, you know, from day one we've we've fed off each other. That being Hyde and Poyer, uh, the first game he was talking about the interception that Micah Hyde had, and then he had to get one off of Josh McCown himself. He felt like he had to do the same thing, and, and they're always competing. They're always trying to make one another better. So I think he's a, a great choice. Uh, I don't know what the answer there is. One comment he made, and I'm sure, you know, he, he didn't mean anything by it. He said he wants to get a ring here before he leaves. And, and leaves could mean, you know, eventually hanging it up, retiring. He could be here the rest of his career. But may, maybe the agreement the Bills make this season is give him more money, um, you know, give it something where you can kind of agree that this thing is maybe coming to an end sooner rather than later, but make him happy in the short term. Make sure that you have your best players available to you this season because, like you said, he's going to be important to Kyrie Elam. He was very important to Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson last year when Trey White went down with that injury. The Bills were able to get through the entire regular season, that first playoff game against uh, New England, with a, a you know two cornerbacks that weren't necessarily anywhere near a, a true number one like a Tredavious White is. So kudos to Poyer, kudos to Hyde for what they bring to this team. I think it's a great choice, Matt. Before we uh, move on to our next segments, uh, quickly, your honorable mention, Tredavious White. I mean, he's going to be back yeah. this season, probably pretty close to what he was uh, last season. And you know, to lose him again would probably be another big blow. I know they like Dane Jackson, but. Yeah, and it's all the reasons you actually said when we were first starting this episode. Go back to that Kansas City game. Uh, look at the way that Patrick Mahomes was able to move the ball up and down the field against this team. You know, it's no knock on Dane Jackson or Levi Wallace or anyone in that secondary, but they were carved up in that game. And I just personally feel that if Trey White had been available and been healthy, the outcome of that game would have been a lot different. It would not have come down to the final minute or two. I think the Bills would have won that game definitively with Tredavious White back there. So he was my honorable mention. Um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll find out here. I think at training camp, we'll get a good idea of where he is in terms of the rehabilitation process, getting back on the field. Uh, it's going to be interesting though, because when he is back, this defense is going to get even better. Speaking about getting even better, summer will get even better for you. If you get over to value home centers, Right now, I mean, it, time is running out a little bit here, Ryan. Tab. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. Uh, the deal, the sale uh, goes until July 14th. They got the Weber Spirit 2 E210 propane grill on sale. $100 off right now. Usually $499. You can get it for $399 today. Head over to Value Home Centers. Let them hook you up. You can get grilling. You can make some sweet steaks for July 4th. Um, you know, burgers, dogs, Italian sausage, you know, whatever. Some kebabs. I don't know. Like I'm always uh, I'm on the fence about kebabs. You know, I'm always like I see them in the in the glass case and I'm ready to you know pick up four and throw them on the grill. But I just feel like I'm not going to cook them right. I don't know. 
don't have the fair. confidence there, Ryan. No, I understand that. You stick with the steak, stick with the, the burgers and the dogs, stuff that you're comfortable with, understandable. Yeah, listen, I was at another store recently, um, more of like a grocery store, but they have a little bit of everything. And their Weber Grill is a lot more than this one that uh, Value is selling. So go to Value, get that deal while you still can. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Ryan, uh, hit us with uh, this PFF latest social media banger, if you will. They like to kind of stir it up a little bit. I know uh, Jordan Poyer was not very happy Mm. with their uh, safety rankings recently or secondary rankings, whatever that was. Uh, But set it up. Uh, What did PFF just put up? Yeah, so PFF has been ranking positional units throughout this offseason, which is what Jordan Poyer uh, was commenting on. But they recently published their overall roster rankings for 2022 on ESPN Insider. And the Bills, lo and behold, are number one. And, and Matt, they broke down uh, the rosters into three categories. You know, most important player or, you know, um, and that was obviously Josh Allen. They talked about the importance of Allen to this team's success. Um, an area of weakness. They said that might be the right side of the offensive line in Ryan Bates and Spencer Brown, more so due to their inexperience, which I think is a valid and fair point. Uh, and then their X factor was Von Miller. So first of all, based on you know the rosters across this league, do you agree, Matt, that the Bills belong at number one? Yes. And I've been saying for a while that even before the Von Miller deal with the some of the losses that some of the power, you know, teams have suffered this offseason, you know, Devontae Adams off of the Packers, um, you know, a couple guys now off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously Tyreek Hill off the Kansas City Chiefs, that elevates the Bills because they didn't really lose any big time, you know, performers off of last year's teams. They they add Von Miller, they add a couple of unique pieces like, you know, out goes Cole Beasley, they bring in Jamison Crowder, you know, out goes Darrell Williams, they bring in Roger Saffold, who aligns more with, you know, the new offensive line coach and maybe with the way that the Bills want to operate in the run game a little bit more. And, you know, they still have those pass blocking uh, savants and Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morse and potentially to who they're grooming on the other side in Spencer Brown. So uh, and they still have their back seven intact, which, listen, I know that it's hard to argue for how good that back seven is knowing what's happened in Kansas City the last two years. Trust me, I get it. They got to be better in those big moments. I mean, and Tredavious White wasn't there. It's definitely a valid excuse, but you know they they needed to make more plays and they didn't. But I still can't. I I don't think that you can completely throw out the last two to five years of production that the majority of that secondary has put out, and not say that with the addition of Von Miller and all the work the Bills did on the defensive line that this defense has a chance to be truly special now. Like it's been really, really good. And last year, statistically, you know, they had some really good matchups. They beat they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. They finished first in a lot of categories. But now I think that they have a chance to be one of those defenses that you talk about that 
really catapult a team to a Super Bowl championship. And I think had it not been for that Rams defense last year, the Rams are not winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it took, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford came up with a drive when they needed it. But before that, it wasn't pretty. So you need that complimentary football to win the Super Bowl in, 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 in modern, in the modern NFL. And I think that that's what this defense really, for me, is where I, I agree the most with that take and that they're so deep on defense on top of the talent that they already had. Yeah, I love your argument on defense and, you know, not even just the Super Bowl. Go to the 49ers game against the Rams. The 49ers looked like they were in position to win that game for a while and the defense really stepped up there. I mentioned the Buccaneers made a comeback and, and they were knocking on the door to uh, winning that game. The defense stepped up. So defense really does help you win championships. And this kind of goes along with the question that I saw in the chat earlier here, Matt. Uh, where do you think the pressure level is for this team right now? Are the expectations higher than they were last year? Is the team more settled and geared up? You know, th- that's a lot of different questions there. First of all, do you think the pressure level, uh, where's the pressure? I think that they know that every week they're going to have the targets on their back first and foremost. Uh, so from a pressure level, they know that they are among the Super Bowl favorites, uh, that they have a special team here expectations they won't say that expectations are higher because the standard's always the super bowl but from the outside looking in matt yeah i I think the expectations are higher than last year this is the team that is the betting favorite to be to win the super bowl they have the quarterback that's among the mvp favorites they added a big splash piece in von miller absolutely expectations are higher this year than last year uh and then are they more settled and geared up that's what you hope that von miller does for this defense uh daquan Jones on the inside that I think that's going to be that big run stuffer. He's going to be that that one player that we look back at and say, man, he, he ended up being a really good signing for this team for what he could do on those early downs and clogging things up in the middle where maybe the Bills haven't had someone like that consistently in years past. So I think that to answer all those questions, yes, though, expectations have never been higher. Um, and it's pretty much Super Bowl or bust here, in my opinion. What do you think, Matt? The cool thing, if you're a Bills fan, I think viewing the 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 entire landscape of this season is that this the majority of this group that now has Von Miller to lean on has knows what it's like to play in big games at every stage of a season, right? Like they've been doing it since 2020 now, really. I mean, there's been some high profile matchups, and it hasn't always been like you know elite quarterbacks, but just good good teams in high profile spots, some playoff heavyweight battles. I mean, that's what that was that we witnessed in Kansas city in January, right? That was a back and forth. That was one of those games that you go back to, you know, uh, I always like the the NBA uh, for this analogy, but like the late nineties and the early two thousands, I felt like some of those teams that were trying to get over the hump and win a championship. I think the, you know, Dirk Nowitzki's mad Mavericks were always the one for me that they, they went through all of this hardship. They lost all of these series, even the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan and Ginobili and Parker, they went through a lot of like losses before they finally got over the hump and started winning. And I think you need to experience what it takes. Like, all right, what part of the game, if I'm Josh Allen, do I have to go back to and pinpoint where I could have been better? And it might not have been on the field, Ryan. Might It might have been on the sideline. Like, what did he need to do differently to pump people up? What did he need to do differently to put his team in the right position? Could, could somebody on the coaching staff have helped out Sean McDermott to say, hey, listen, you might want to go down there and make sure that they know what they're doing on special teams, just triple check and quadruple check and all of those little things that, you know, you probably still go back to that game and it, it gives you a pit in your stomach if you're a Bills fan. Those are the kinds of things you got to go through to learn and get better. 
And so I think from that perspective, I think they're ready for the pressure cooker that this year is going to be because they've been in so many of these games. And I, I just honestly think that barring injury, they're the most talented team in the conference. With that being said, it is a loaded conference, Ryan. And I think yeah. that's the part of it. It's going to be a mental grind to get through it. They play a pretty tough schedule. And then on top of that, there's 17 games. And then you got to go through the grind again and you got to overcome all of that stuff. And, you know, Sean McDermott's got to put to bed some of the questions that I think, you know, the athletic put out a poll uh, or did like a survey and the results were in. And I, I highly recommend you go check it out. That's always a good read every offseason. Joe B does it over there at the athletic. And the, the thing that I took away was the confidence level in the fan base shrunk in, you know, in from year to year, year over year in Sean McDermott. And that's something that, you know, he's going to take all of that into account. And I'm sure he's, you know, I know he said he doesn't sleep at the office anymore, but I'm sure he spent a lot of late nights uh, down there in Orchard Park, you know, working on strategy, working on, you know, the film part of this thing so that when those situations come up, they're ready to kind of have a different outcome. Yeah. And uh, I loved your analogy with the different sports takes of the basketball, especially. Uh, I feel like the Bills are kind of like the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan being Josh Allen being that Michael Jordan type player. And the bad boys of the Detroit Pistons have kind of been Kansas City these past few years. And and the Bills have to get over that hurdle in the postseason. It's time for them to do that. And this is the year to do it. But as you mentioned, it's a loaded AFC. The, The Chiefs might not even win their own division. That's how good it is there now. Denver with Russell Wilson. The Raiders have, you know, stocked up on both sides of the ball. If Derek Carr can uh, put up some pretty similar numbers to what he's done in the past, they could compete for that division too. There's other teams in, in other spots as well. Obviously, the West, though, kind of looks like the, the heavyweight battle that's going to be taking place week in, week out. But even the AFC East, the, the teams that the Bills will face two times per year, that division got a lot better this offseason as well with Miami making a big move in Tyreek Hill. Uh, the Jets having a great draft. So maybe they're still a year or two away, but everyone's getting better. It's not just going to be a cakewalk for this Bills team. All right, let's close out this show with this this little fun segment that we put together. We're going to we're gonna you know put on the boxing gloves and fight it out for uh, a couple of these rankings here in the top five of uh, the best Buffalo Bills on social media. All right, so... We wanted to kind of say, okay, the Bills do a really good job as a team. I think on social media, um, there's a, there's a there's a few characters, entertaining follows. So let's rank them. Let's start at number five, and let's let's see if we agree on it all the way down. Go ahead, start us off. Who's at five? Yeah, I, I actually still wasn't sure about number five because we were talking. We we're going to argue about Josh Allen. I'm not sure Josh Allen even makes my top five when he posts Matt. They're very entertaining. He's very good. His girlfriend actually does some pretty funny posts of him. So I don't know if he even should get credit for those. Uh, I think you could make a case for, and it doesn't have to be funny either. Social media is like interactions. I see Groot on there a lot and Greg Russo. I see Matt Barkley posting things. He can be pretty funny on social media. Um, eh, you see, he posts a lot of like, <laughs> like, I don't know, like Bitcoin and like Celsius drinks, like, Amen, man. I love Celsius drinks, but I, I don't know if I'm going to put them in the top five. Got, for those, got to pay the bills, though, too, right? No, I feel that. Uh, all right, all right. Gabriel Davis can be good. So, you, you know, I'll put oh, Allen just, at number five. Gabriel Go Davis ahead. just started a TikTok as well. Yeah, so shout out to him. He's got the versatility. He's getting a, he's kind of getting across platforms, if you will. So he's got, he gets a little extra credit, I guess. So I'll go Allen at number five. But yeah, I mean, 
Uh, Gabriel Davis, that one video where he didn't want to be recorded and he was talking, you know, he, he introduced or when the guy said, are you at the running back? And he said, yes. And he was saying all this other stuff on TikTok. You can see the personality coming out. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's in these top five rankings soon. Who do you have at number five? All right. So this was tough. Uh, I think I ended up with Dawson Knox at number five. I feel like the reason I put him on here, there's nothing that sticks out that's like super entertaining per se. Like, oh man, he's really like a good social media follow. But like, I feel like he always chimes in on like big topics, whatever's happening, whether it be in the, the sports world, the football world, you know, he does the tight end university. Uh, he's had some funny ones and I think he's the funniest guy to interview. So from a social media perspective, when, we're, when, when, when the media is putting out clips of his press conferences, they usually just like, go to the moon because he's pretty funny. I mean, he had the, uh, the line about uh, the Josh Allen jokes. This, this last uh, press conference uh, went back to the uh, Viagra um, last year. So he's, he's a funny guy. So I put, I put him at five. And I had him at number four. I also like the way he interacts with the fan base when he was doing that tight end university uh, contest against the other, other tight ends, which he ended up winning at by, you know, 50 some thousand dollars raised by the bills fans alone. Uh, he was very thankful and appreciative throughout the entire process. Uh, so I, that, that's another reason I liked him in the in the top five. Who did you have at number four since I had Knox there? Yeah, so four, I'm going to go with the snowman, Deion Dawkins. Um, I wanted to put him higher because he does do a great job. But the t- the people that I have at one, two, and three, I just I couldn't move them down any further. Uh, and I'll get to that in a, in a moment. But I think uh, Dawkins, he's super interactive. Again, comments on a lot of stuff he's he's really funny i i also like when people when guys like put out and that's why the number one guy is there just puts out random questions to start up like conversations like today he 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 went with the oldie but a goodie uh is is a hot dog a sandwich and i think that's a that's fun fodder like i don't know where you stand on it i i think i think a hot dog is kind of a sandwich right hell but like i i get a lot of flack for this i think but like you know it's it's meat it's it's on a bun like if I put a couple meatballs in, in, in the bun and close it up, you'd say you had a meatball sandwich for lunch, right? It's a sandwich. Hoagie. So, you know, no, no. For it to be a sandwich, it has to close all the, it has to be covered on the top. You have that opening with a hot dog bun. So not a sandwich. Uh, it doesn't have to have meat, peanut butter and jelly. That's a sandwich. It doesn't have to have meat. So that criteria is out too. No, has you know even even a bun on a burger at least covers the top. Not a sandwich. Not hot dogs. Not a sandwich. But I agree. Dawkins was my number three. Uh, again, someone who really interacts with the fan base does a lot of the meet and greets. Posts a lot of things with the fans on there as well. Uh, just an entertaining guy all around. Uh, my number three is Isaiah McKenzie. Little dirty. Uh, he is in my opinion, the most interactive, I mean, we're talking about a guy that just showed up at a Bills fan's house for Christmas dinner. Um, when you talk about interactive with the fan base, you don't have to look much further than that. I got Isaiah McKenzie at number three. <laughs> McKenzie was my number two. Uh, I, you know, he does the, a lot of the lives as well now. So if you're on Instagram and you see his live, uh, he's answering questions on those. He was doing a lot for the America's Got Talent with the choir. Uh, but he's also at, you know, at his restaurant a lot and, and he's doing a lot of things there, too. So I, I like the interaction. I like how entertaining he is in general, uh, especially training camp, things like that. They'll, they'll go into the locker room at times. Someone will be live streaming and 
he's usually, you know, giving it back and forth with Micah Hyde or they have one of the like the little model things dressed up in an Isaiah McKenzie jersey. So he can he can give, you know, take the jokes and he can give the jokes back as well. Two, I'm going Josh Allen. Sometimes less is more. When you see a Josh Allen, like I'm sure all Bills, so I have notifications on for all Bills players, uh, a little inside inside football uh, media there. Um, just so I know like when something's happening, get kind of a, uh, a notification, which it can become a little bit tedious sometimes, like notification. My wife will take my phone sometimes and she'll be like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. It's like, dang, it's not just like the Bills, obviously. It's like, you know, reporters, it's other sports, it's things that I like. Like, so I'm, I'm literally just pinging all day long. If you get a Josh Allen notification on your phone or you're a Bills fan, you're probably like, you know, you're ready to go. Like you, you want to see what the, the big deal is. And he usually delivers. Like I, I go back to when people were talking about, you know, is Stefan Degg's going to want to trade and ESPN did like, kind of like a big story on it or something or a clip or something and he just responded to it and said no period yeah (laughs) that was good man like he's good at social media like he doesn't do it a lot i think part of it stems from what happened when he was drafted i think he he kind of touched on it on that podcast that he just did and you know maybe staying away from it a little bit but when he does go on there when he dies when he dives in he's pretty funny yeah and that's fair enough and for number one matt we we both agreed on number one it's stefan diggs you know, he he goes on most of the platforms and he's and he's pretty interactive with the fan base. Um, he was he's got on two Twitter Instagram today. accounts. Yes, he does. Got to follow them both because they're, they're both pretty entertaining, obviously. Uh, but, you know, even Twitter today, I saw him interacting with Stevie Johnson. So that kind of had to be kind of surreal for Bill's fans because Stevie Johnson for a long time was a fan favorite for. Uh, a lot of these fans and now Stefan Diggs obviously has taken over that role with the current Bills. So like Stefan Diggs, the way he interacts, the questions that he has to get conversations going, he doesn't take things too seriously. So I thought he was an easy choice for number one. No, for sure. Diggs is uh, the the clear cut number one. Uh, he'll just he it's so random. It could be at any time of the day. I think some of the intrigue and not knowing when it's coming and like he's almost like he's really eating up that shtick and the way that he presents these these tweets now. Sometimes they're really funny. Um, your your hot dog take is getting absolutely smashed on here. And that's all, that's all right. Like it's <laughs> um, you know, you were really passionate about it. You try to dunk on me. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I just don't think a hot dog is a sandwich. It's just where I'm at. That's fine. Uh, you know, where where you should be at, the the viewers here, is valuehomecenters.com because customers can shop anytime at valuehomecenters.com, buy online, and you can pick it up in-store today or shop their huge selection of products. They'll ship the, the product that you buy uh, to the store that you want to go to. You can pick it up today. Uh, huge selection of products, and they ship to your local store from uh, the warehouse for free. And then also text value, V A L U, to 80692. Again, that's 80692. You'll join their text program uh, values, and uh, you'll receive a $10 off, $40 coupon. Uh, so, plus, you'll be the first to know about new promotions, deals, and new products. It's It sounds great, Ryan Talbot. All right, let's do a, a very short, truncated oh. top three Bills media members. I'm not we can't prepared obviously, for this. We can't obviously count ourselves. No. Um, wow. This is really tough. On the spot. That's why I like that. I like Scott for that, though. Like He, he puts us on, a, on, our, on the spot. You know so who I'm going to put in there? I'm not going to do it in every, any specific order. Let's just come up with three names. And I'll come okay. up with the first, and you can kind of ping-pong off of it. We'll come up with three names here. I'm going to go with Catherine Fitzgerald. 
uh, as one of them. She is uh, from the Buffalo News. She is a must follow on uh, Twitter. She's very quippy. She's very funny. She's very, um, you know, news of the day. She usually puts a really fun spin on it. Uh, she just has a, a really uni- unique voice in the space. And I think uh, I want to give her some a shout out, a little love. I, I'll, I'll say she's one of the three. I think that's a great choice. Uh, you know, he, he kind of has my type of humor. I know he, he might not. Um, he might have you blocked. He might. It's <laughs> a good chance. Tim Graham. I think Tim Graham can be pretty funny on, on Twitter. <laughs> His comments, especially with, like the Pope and, and the block comments. And again, when he quotes funny stories that are out there. So uh, I've always been a big fan of uh, Tim Graham's social media game. So that's one of mine. All right. And finally, I am going to agree with Brian Freeman, who is uh, pushing for Mr. Sal Capaccio. Uh, He does pound for pound. I think he does as good a job as anybody as covering it from all perspectives. He's got a new podcast out. Um, The guy is just like going bills uh, three. 65 right and so uh he does a great job with it he's fun he's a fun follow he's interactive um you know he's got all these different platforms that he uses and you know obviously on the tv show and uh you know on the sidelines you know he has a unique perspective he's been doing it for a long time uh he's my go-to anytime i have a question about like you know uh contract stuff or cba stuff he's just he's really really uh you know, plugged in, uh, you know, covering an NFL team. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll give Sal Capaccio some love. And that's our, our big three on the big night. Three. There's so it. many though that I can name. There's Shout so out to Bove too. I love Bove's tweets. And I think he's a pretty funny guy. Uh, very similar senses of humor. He throws in a little re- pro wrestling here and there. So that's right up my alley. So oh boy. Uh, honorable mention, oh Matt boy. Bove. All right. So I'll give an honorable mention myself. I kind of want to spread the love around, right? I know. I'm trying. I don't want to go like. Uh, I'm going to go Josh Reed, Channel Four. He's been on the show plenty of times. I think he's a great follow. Uh, he'll con- he'll he'll tweet about all different kinds of sports. I think he's fun. I think he's a little bit lighter. Uh, he it's just his personality. He's he's got a good sense of humor. I think he's a a really good dude. Oh yeah, shout out Mookie, Mookie, yeah, Mookie Hawkins as well. Mookie's Mookie's got his own style, man, and he uh, he crushes it, man. People love. Uh, what he does and we had him on the show recently um, and he's actually going to be out for the first time covering training camp in the dorms I think so we'll get uh, we'll get to hang out and uh, spend some time with Mookie uh, out at St. John Fisher all right final thought Ryan Talbot final thought not bills related shout out to my mom Diane Talbot retiring tomorrow Matt Perino last day for my mom she's going to do like semi-retirement work about two days a week but this is her last official day t- uh, tomorrow. So shout out to my mom, dad. Good luck. I, it's going to be really interesting that dynamic with you guys both at home all day. So look, looking forward to seeing how that goes. This is absolutely awesome. Uh, I'm glad you did this on the show. Shout out to Diane, who is one of our biggest fans and always make sure to comment and share all of our stuff. We love you. Congratulations. I don't think I've actually met your mom in person yet. We got to, we got to rectify that at some point next time I'm in the, uh, what's the, what's the area code? What's the only an area code? Still 716. Is it really 716? Yeah. Oh yeah. It feels further than that. (laughs) Well, I was going to say the next time I'm in the 716, but guess what? I'm already nice. there. So we got to make sure uh, I, I uh, get together with your mom next time and uh, I'll give her a hug and congratulations. That's awesome. Retirement is, it's interesting. It can go one of two ways to your point though. Like some, for some people it's like, I got my whole life ahead of me. And some people it's like, man, I got a lot of time. So we'll see, see how it goes. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate you hanging out with us on a Wednesday night. Little bit of housekeeping. We're off next week. Uh, like I mentioned, we have a couple guests lined up over the next couple, over the next month. And so we'll have guests throughout July. We're taking off next week. I'm going to New York City, a little, little four-day vacation with the fam, uh, the Harry Potter store. Uh, we weren't able to hit it last year, so we're going back. Lucas is very excited about that. Going to hit a Mets game. We went to the Yankees last year, so it'll be fun. I'm excited. Uh, for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We will see you in two weeks uh, with John Crick uh, from the Toronto Sun. Have a good one, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.